Please listen carefully. Psych Essentials is a show about learning psychiatry. It's fun and educational, but should not be taken as medical advice or opinion. So kick back and try not to worry about those glaring ego deficits. We like you anyway. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, James. Last time we talked about antidepressants, and this time I want to talk about antipsychotics. Mm, antipsychotics. That's a pretty big topic. Yeah. Well, how about this? I'll just give you the essentials. The antipsychotic essentials? The antipsych essentials. You got it. Whew. That was a, that was a, that was a rough way to start, <laughs> but let's get into it. Cause there's a lot to talk about antipsychotics. In fact, there is this indeed. is ultimately going to be a two chapter episode. It's a big, big topic. And we're really only scratching the surface of the psychopharmacology of these medications. I remember finding this really confusing because there's a bunch of different meds. They all have gen like generic names and brand names and people would toss them around as if this made a lot of sense and it did not make sense. Yeah, and people go back and forth between the brand names and the generic names. Quite often I do that myself on occasion. So people have preferences and you'll see these tossed around. If you're feeling a little overwhelmed or like it's hard to keep track of it, it's not just you. Stick with it and hopefully this episode and the next one can provide a little bit of clarity. So in these episodes, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what are these medications used for, how they work, some of the common side effects, and then we'll go one by one through some particularly common medications. But not an exhaustive list. This is not exhaustive. Lindsay, what? So this, they're called antipsychotics, but what, what are these medications actually used to treat? So they are used to treat symptoms of psychosis. So that would be... So that would be like going back to our mental status exam, things like auditory hallucinations, visual hallucinations, and then delusions, delusional beliefs like significant paranoia, ideas of reference, grandiose delusions. Often the positive symptoms of psychosis are what respond to our antipsychotic medications. And But I've seen them and used for other things too. So what else might somebody use an antipsychotic for? Yeah, so antipsychotics don't just treat psychosis. They can also be used to treat mania, agitation, and aggression, especially like in emergency settings. Also, they're very commonly used to treat delirium. Then a few of them are helpful for sleep as well. Okay, so that's what they're used for. Most of these medications work in the same general way, the same mechanism. That's why they've been included in the same class. And most of these block dopamine. So they act as D2 receptors and they block it to kind of varying degrees. As we learn more about them, we're starting to learn that they hit many, many receptors in the brain, especially the second generation and newer ones. So we're talking your histamine receptors, your H2, your serotonin, your 5-HT2A, your 5-HT1A, your alpha-1, your anti-muscarinic. So they're they're hitting receptors left and right across your brain. Right. We often, when we think of antipsychotics, a lot of times we think of dopamine blockade, and that is a big part of it. But clearly, these are pretty, they can be messy drugs. There's There's a lot to know about them, and I think there's a lot yet to be known about them as well. But dopamine would be the name of the game, the first thing that would come to my mind. 
Similarly, there are side effects that are common across all of these medications or potentially common or potential side effects common to many of them. So rather than going one or repeating them for everyone, let's talk about some at the top. What would you say is perhaps the most common or the most prominent thing that comes to mind for antipsychotic medications? For me, the first thing that comes to mind is EPS or extrapyramidal symptoms. Yeah, extrapyramidal symptoms or, or and tardive dyskinesia, I would say, falls in yes. this general class. Yep. So let's just sidebar for a sec here. And I want to talk about extrapyramidal symptoms. So that includes acute dyskinesias and dystonic reactions. So dyskinesia meaning abnormal movements and dystonic reactions, meaning abnormal tonicity or, or well, tone to your muscles, as well as tardive dyskinesia. So that's a particular subset of these dyskinesias. And there's a whole bunch of other things. You have your Parkinsonism. So that's movements that look like Parkinson's disease, akinesia or akathesia. So the absence of movement or akathesia, which is this kind of restlessness that people will describe. So James, what is what causes EPS? EPS is, EPS is thought to be caused by this dopamine blockade, this blockage of the D2 sites, and or just a general depletion of dopamine from your basal ganglia. I think it's for me it's helpful to know where some of these terms come from. So extrapyramidal come distinguishes from pyramidal, i.e. the some of the tracks of the of your motor cortex that run through the, the pyramids of your medulla. So that's where extra pyramidal, they're outside of those motor tracks, and they cause a lot of these motor symptoms. Alright, so that's that's a quick sidebar. Let's return to some of the common side effects of antipsychotics. Lindsay, what else we got? Another thing that I think of with antipsychotics is metabolic side effects, like metabolic syndrome. So hyperlipidemia, high cholesterol, development of diabetes, and abnormal hyperglycemia. So that would be something to check before you start mm-hmm. somebody on an antipsychotic to have a baseline. Mm-hmm. That will impress people if you suggest that. Cardiac symptoms can include QTC prolongation. So this is a, this is a particular measure on, a, on an EKG. Um, and the risk there being arrhythmias, particularly torsades de point pointe. Um, what else we got, Lindsay? Some other common side effects with antipsychotics are anticholinergic side effects. So people, when they are started on antipsychotic, will often complain that their mouth is dry, that they're constipated. Maybe they start start to have some blurred vision. All these things can be really bothersome to patients. And then the last major side effect that I think of is due to antagonism at the alpha-1 receptors. And this directly leads to orthostatic hypotension which is something that we get worried about, especially when we're up titrating certain antipsychotics. Mm-hmm. All right. So far, we have talked about what these medicines are used to treat, some of the basic ways they work, and then some of the side effects. There are a lot of antipsychotics, and I find it helpful to break them into some manageable groups. Most commonly, these are divided into two groups, typical and atypical antipsychotics. Those words are exactly the same as first generation and second generation. So typical is first. Right. And then atypical is second generation. Because it came second. Yep, absolutely. So those words are synonyms. 
don't let people confuse you. There's other, there's other ways to break these down. Some people will talk about potency, so high and low potency of antipsychotics. So I just want to take a quick sec to, again, sidebar and talk about what that term means. You can think about this as, as the um, relative the amount of the medicine that you need to have an effect. So, for instance, one milligram of haloperidol will get you, could, you could imagine that versus 100 milligrams of something like quetiapine. So they have different potencies because you just need different amounts. You can also imagine that this is related to the amount of dopamine blockade that, that each milligram of this medicine is capable of achieving. And you could also imagine that would have implications for the side effects as well. So high and low potency, and we'll kind of touch back on that as we think about some of these medications. All right, sidebar over. Also, as we're talking about them, for the rest of this episode, it can be really confusing with the brand names and the generic names. Some of them are similar. Some of them are totally different. We're going to mention brand names once and then try and stick with the generics as best as we can. I would say that my recommendation going forward is to listen out for the most common ones. Mm -hmm. You'll hear the same names over and over again, and it might be worth thinking why, right? Why in this situation are we using this antipsychotic versus another one? Because you have so many choices, usually people have a reason for why they're picking one versus another. Yeah, I think the why is one of the key questions to ask as a learner. If you ever don't know why someone's choosing that particular antipsychotic, ask. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that they you, people will, lead, will hopefully explain some of their choices and it will give you guidance for the future. That said, people have lots of preferences. It's just like any other class of medications. All right, so let's dive in. The next chunk of that I want to talk about are some of these typical antipsychotics. So we said, again, that's the first generation. These are your old-time, original, OG antipsychotics. Now, even though they're typical, and even though they've been around for a long time, we actually use them less these days. Um, and, and I think it'll become clear, it, it, it basically has to do with the side effect profile of these medications and the fact that we have newer, cleaner, better, potentially, agents. Although, we have newer, cleaner ones, and they're arguably better or different. There's only one in this category that I think is worth knowing for you, and it is haloperidol. <laughs> Haldol. What's so good about Haldol? Why why does it stick around when a lot of the other typicals have gone away? Haldol is an oldie but a goodie, and the reason is that it, it comes in a lot of different formats. So it comes in PO, it comes in IV, it comes in IM form, it comes in a long-acting injectable, and all of these um, make it very flexible for various different care patient care situations. There's also a lot of studies that have been done on the drug. It's, you know, been studied in pregnant women and, and is pretty safe um, to use in a wide variety of types of patients. And we, people have a lot of experience with Haldol mm -hmm. because it's existed for a long time. People, you'll probably notice people on your team feeling fairly comfortable with dosing Haldol, for instance. People might use Haldol for a few reasons. One is, for instance, if somebody has not responded to the newer ones, you could always think about going back to a typical antipsychotic. Also, for, for really severe psychosis, Haldol is still a great first-line agent. And we use it a lot, like you're saying, in the hospital because it comes in an IV formulation. If somebody is unable to take a PO medication for whatever reason, a, an IV form could be helpful, for instance, in delirium. 
Some of the common side effects with Haldol would be, like we talked about, these extrapyramidal symptoms more common across the board with the typical antipsychotics. One nice thing about Haldol is that it doesn't cause the weight gain that a lot of the atypicals will have. And so that's one other use is that it's not only used for patients who aren't responsive to atypicals, but who can't tolerate the atypicals for whatever reason. And the metabolic side effects are one of the ones that I tend to think about most often switching to like Haldol or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to toss in as we go along just some common doses of these medicines. It's certainly not something that I think you'll be tested on, but it may give you a sense of, of where someone's at. So I would say in the, the range of one to five milligrams of Haldol, maybe initially, you might see somebody on 10 milligrams. Um, the IV formulation is twice the potency of the PO, um, or it's just more available than the PO formulation. So the amounts will be smaller. So five milligrams of IV would be 10 of PO? That's right. People used to use lots more of Haldol, so the the dose range can be extended very high, but I would say these smaller amounts are perhaps more common, but it wouldn't be out of the question to see somebody on a larger amount. All right, so that's that's Haldol, and I think those are the, the things to take away. I would call Haldol a fairly high-potency typical antipsychotic because we're talking like, one to five milligram amounts. I, w- I want to briefly run through some other typicals in- just in case you hear about them. We're not going to spend a huge amount of time talking about them. Feel free to close your ears if you find this confusing to hear lots of other names. Flufenazine, brand name Prolixin, is also a high potency. Coming in at the middle, middle potency is Perfenazine, which is Trilophon. Coming in in the lower potency category, these things will have less EPS, but more risk of things like sedation, waking, and hypotension. So a low potency one could be chlorpromazine or thorazine. And that is the original OG antipsychotic. Sorry, I think I said perfenazine. Well, that's probably an old one too, but chlorpromazine's the first. Thorazine. Okay. So far, we have talked about typical antipsychotics, and we said Haldol is the one to know in this category. We want to continue on to the atypicals, but there's a lot more to talk about. Let's take a quick break, and next time we will come back to the atypicals. Also, as a bit of a teaser, we're going to talk about some of these long-acting forms, the type of injections that you get every month, or what is this every three months? These things are possible. We're also going to run through some cases. So stick around next time. In the meanwhile, check out our website. Leave us a review. Tell us what you'd like to hear more about in the future. We're at psychessentials.org. Psychessentials.org. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at psychessentials. You can rate, comment, share Psych Essentials on iTunes. Our music is by Javier Suarez off his album Tumbling Dishes. There's a link on our website. People, places, oh, we didn't talk about people this time. If we had, they would have been changed to protect confidentiality. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time for part two. Till next time. Bye. Bye.